Zakria Jaffe, founder of the British Blacklist, and I am really happy and um, on, I say honoured because it'd be very dramatic about this. Very honoured to be speaking to this woman because the journey is real and it's um, amazing and unbelievable. Please, my love, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, what's your purpose, man? Um, so my name is Sheila Nortley. I am a writer, director, and my purpose, I think, is just to tell stories. I say just, but it's um, it's a big purpose, and I'm in the, in the middle of trying to um, fulfill that and make it a reality. Thank you very much. Can you, like, in one sentence, in a sentence or in a word, if you can, describe oh. your life today? My God, a big question. I'm evolving literally and it's not a question because as everyone knows on the ground everyone does see the highlight reel they know what's going on they don't know how difficult things can be so if i were to describe it today i would say very much evolving definitely relates to change it's always changing and um just going with the flow at the moment but yeah things just keep changing let's list all your achievements or what do you call them rewards I say it's rewards because about bloody time as well. Oh, thank you. That's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. Um, so these rewards include um, this Sky deal, which is a one year development deal with Sky, where um, I'll be working on three TV ideas, concept and just, yeah, developing them. And um, obviously with the aim of getting them off the ground, getting them produced. So that's kind of, I guess, the, the biggest announcement. As well as that, obviously, there's I Am Mary, which is a short film. It's a modern retelling of the Mary story. So, yeah, that's coming out on YouTube. Yeah, what else? My feature film, Birdsong, that's currently in development as well. So, yeah, there's a few, a few things kind of bubbling at the moment, to be honest. That's amazing. Like, you've got the... So it's like a one-year development deal for three TV ideas. How did that come yeah. about? That came about following the uprising that happened this summer. Sky were really passionate about reaching out to writers, directors, development execs within the industry, black writers, directors, etc., and figuring out what we wanted to do. I had a meeting with a group of writers and creatives from a group called the Insight Network. We were talking about what we wanted to do. And I think that happened a lot in that time. Everyone within their respective industries, whether that was within the NHS or within media, wherever everyone was, was like, let's talk about the issues within our industry and within our workplace regarding racism and discrimination and so on. And that just kept happening. So there were so many Zoom calls and, and WhatsApp groups and just black people coming together within the film and TV world saying, what do we want to do? And, and sharing stories and looking at making tangible change. So between those meetings and the things bubbling up at Sky, when that connected and um, Cameron Roach, the head of, I think head of scripted at Sky, came into one of those meetings, discussed things with us as a group. And then from there, followed up with a few of us, myself and Kobe Adam as well director and those those conversations just developed into what they are now which is actually um, having this contract yeah so that's kind of how it came about I'm sitting here probably mm. in my easy perspective no it's not an easy perspective my easy corner because it's just been as frustrating for me but I, I, that's what it is I think I'm frustrated with the conversations and the, the yeah. reaction to what we've known how yeah. do you feel I mean like I said it is it's a reward that because you've been doing this like for time right yes. <laughs> when, did you, when did you get into the game say so officially 2008 so 
about 12 years. And I think definitely there's a realization when you get into this industry that things don't happen overnight. And when you're on the outside, you think, well, you know, someone becomes a superstar, they just go and do a film and the next minute they're famous and you don't know the yeah. hard from behind it. So I guess the trajectory makes sense. And I think when I, from mm. when I launched British Blacklist in mm. 2012 to now, I've mm. noticed the, the turnaround for businesses in my bubble is 10 years. And I've noticed, I just noticed in a few peers that it was a 10 year mark that things really hit their stride, yeah. better or for worse, but you hit your stride yeah. in 10 years. So, you know, I've got two more years before it's like, okay, this, you really have to make a decision about what this is all about. But yeah. in these conversations that have taken so long, this stage where you're at now, have you mm. felt frustrated that it's taken so long or do you feel like this you had to go through everything you've been through to get here I think it's the latter because you know what when you're in the midst of it you don't even realize the milestone sometimes because you're just you're just going you're just moving so it almost doesn't feel like I've reached anywhere yet do you see what I'm saying for example when I mentioned the sky deal and I got the response that I got on Insta just in terms of all the love and the support. I was so moved by it. And it made me step back and think, wow, like I didn't realize that, yeah, you know, from especially from an outsider's perspective, you know, people who have seen me writing and, and producing for the past 12 years, that they'll be like, oh my gosh, like she's, you know, this is great. This is a milestone. It's kind of like I'm still chugging along. I've still got so much I want to do. I've got so much I want to tell. And like you said, everything that's happening just feels like, part of the process just like a, a very necessary and essential step that I'm grateful for but it just feels like I'm still I'm still going there's still so much I want to tell this the sky deal is just the beginning of something else and so I haven't felt frustrated I still feel like I'm just still very much building and I'm just so grateful for everything that comes along because like when you asked me what my purpose was I'm actually living it and that's such a huge blessing that I can't like put too much weight on each individual milestone it's just all part of me fulfilling my purpose and doing what I love so I haven't felt frustrated at all honestly it's more like the industry acting like they didn't know and mm. then all of a sudden mm. what wasn't afforded to us before all of a sudden there's all these magical resources and this magical access yeah. you've got to be happy grateful and just okay at least it's happening yeah. but just, I think there's also the right to have a moment to say you freaking assholes We've been yeah. saying that. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess it's, it's not looking a gift horse in the mouth. It's exactly that. It's that whole gift horse thing. I, it's such a fine line. You're right. Because even with the gratitude, it, it's not like feeling grateful for having certain doors open to you because they should have been open to you in the first place. So I think that's why I also take it on the chin a little bit because we're all very aware of tokenism. We're all very aware of if you are talented in this industry, the fact that your colour will precede you. So we need a black writer. We need a black director or it can be a thing that it supersedes that fact that you've actually worked really, really hard and studied it and developed yourself to get to a point where your colour should not be a factor. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be that that factor. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of bittersweet in some ways. Um, when I get to a position where I can open doors for other people, that's when I will feel like I've accomplished something bigger. Like right now I'm just on my way to hopefully get into a position where I can help people. I can open doors for people where they don't feel like they have to go knocking or feel like they've got some breadcrumbs at a table that wasn't built for them in the first place kind of thing. So yeah, I'm just happy to be able to be in a position that I am now and I can see hopefully where I can go if I assert myself in all areas of, of my life. Do you know what I mean? That's what's about the, evol the evolution and that process is so much more than just the writing. It's kind of like everything. Like, who am I? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? And what do I want to do on like a bigger level? 
you know, to make things easier for the next generations coming up in our industry. You know, like with what you've done with the British Blacklist, it's opened so many doors. It's given a platform for people who otherwise wouldn't have the, the press and the platform to discuss their work and talk and network. You know what I mean? It's kind of really building an industry together, like a, a safe space and a space that we can value because all too often we value other people's perspectives. I remember you even say with British Blacklist, it's, you have some people who'd rather go to the other in order to feel validated. And it's like, why can't we respect our own institutions? Why can't we respect what we've built and see that as um, a form of acknowledgement? And you mentioned you were not sure, but I guess not surprised at the love, but overwhelmed or mm. feeling warm with the love that came from people responding to your Sky Deal. Yeah. But I think over the years, there's something about you, and I'm not saying it as in, I don't know why, I'm not saying that. <laughs> More like there is something about you that people just sort of gravitate to. And want. I don't know anyone that could say, or I mean, obviously I don't know everyone in the whole industry, maybe there's someone in the corner saying, oh, I fucking hate that girl. But <laughs> there's no one I've come across that has a bad word to say about you. I think it's tied in with your elegance and the way you come across and your aura is very peaceful and calming. So I don't know if that's what it is Mm. as well on top of the fact of your talent, on top of the fact that you're unapologetic as well. Because I feel like if I was, Mm. whenever I get a chance to make my stuff, it'll be in your vein in that lane where I'm a black woman. I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not necessarily going to shout about being a black woman. I'm just going to do black things because that's my world without having to explain it. There is something that I feel that sometimes as black folks, we have been brainwashed out of us that we don't need to assimilate to be anyone else but ourselves. But obviously all our history has made us feel like we've got to be like the white people or anyone else but ourselves. And do you know what it is, Akuaya? It's also just knowing that we can not only just be ourselves unapologetically, but do so outside of the prism of whiteness do you know what I mean like sometimes I feel like our blackness has to be reactionary even that's why with the locks and everything that's why I just wanted to cut my hair off and all this stuff because it just comes to a point where almost everything you do is politicized everything you do is got to be some kind of radical message against whiteness and it's like why can't we just be why can't we just exist and be ourselves do you see what I'm saying and I, I I'd like to think that if there's something people see in me and it resonates it is a sense of authenticity where life is just too short to be boxed in if you can just be yourself and enjoy being yourself and that includes all aspects of yourself from your color your race your ethnicity your sexuality your religion and some of these things might seem to contradict and that's cool because that's what makes you a human being and I find that the most beautiful people are the people who are somewhat contradictory in their nature in terms of like there's just so many sides to them you can't quite box them because that's what makes them human. So yeah, I just think if we can all do that and, and it's a definitely a journey, but just literally just be ourselves. And as storytellers, you're the vessel through which these stories are gonna come through. So if, if you're not cool with yourself, the stories, they're gonna be diluted. They're gonna be tailored to what you think people expect of you, what people wanna hear, what the industry wants to hear. They would just be suppressed. You're suppressing part of yourself. The fact that you've had so many projects greenlit, and again, not to take away the struggle, everything doesn't come easy. The fact that you have been unapologetic, who are you in the room in front of the execs? I'll be honest, it depends. I'm not going to lie to you. I pick my battles because each situation is so different. You get places, like I said, with the Sky Deal. I asked them, I said, what kind of genre? Is there a particular theme or concept? And they were like, no, just whatever you want to do, just tell your stories. I was like, okay, that is the safe. That's the safe space that they're providing. I can do whatever I want. However, there's been other projects where it's been made quite clear to me that we are hiring you 
to do this and it's not necessarily your project. And therefore, regardless of any racial or political, it could be something as small as a detail about what someone is wearing, what character is wearing. I just know where my boundaries are and what boundaries I won't compromise on. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's kind of like just understanding each individual situation is different, but knowing what I will not compromise on for each project. There are some things in my opinion that just don't necessarily matter as much. And then there are some things which are essential and which I would, you know, essentially decline a project for. But again, I know it sounds all, you know, very philosophical, but again, it goes back to who are you? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? When I was working with Tim Reed, who's one of my mentors and someone I've studied under for several years, one of the messages that he taught all of us as his students was to always ask yourself, what's your propaganda? He said, we're in the propaganda industry and everything that you put out is propaganda. And once you know what your message is, there can be positive propaganda and negative propaganda. But once you've identified what that is, that's when you, you have variables and you have things that you can kind of move around with. It doesn't matter if the character's like this or the story goes there or it turns into a tragedy or whatever. But you know the essence of why you're doing it and what is the actual message you're trying to tell. Depending on the context, depends on what I push for and what I don't push for. So long as it doesn't contradict what it is I want to do. Um, just for those who live under a rock Tim Reed is actor and film director and for those of you who are enjoying the Moishas and the girlfriends and the sister sister he is he plays Ray Campbell in sister sister have you watched them are you were you a fan and are you happy that they were back I'm happy they're back I haven't watched them yet just because I haven't had the time to yeah. yet but my god yeah like Moisha sister sister the Parkers all of that that was like oh it's just nostalgic oh wow roger all of that good times again this is where my angry not angry (laughs) comes in because when you look at them i've been i've binge watched them all which is because i've been so busy but somehow i've managed to get through them but to my to my detriment i'm tired um i've been staying up all hours of the night the one that gripped me the most was moesha because that was really honing in on who i aspired to be (laughs) to be around the way chick with loads of boyfriends um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for sure she did have quite a few on the bill do you know what? I, as a black woman today who's kind of like still trying to work out my purpose from that perspective is watching these shows as an adult it's really right. it's kind of like I wish I used it as a manual a little bit not all of it but there's a little bit of teenage I wish that the teenager in me was really clocking it because but I think Americans had a different way of um yeah we didn't have any shows like that in the black British community as teenagers so a lot of what we were taking was the African-American perspective which you could kind of draw from so like say characters like Q you know (laughs) you could see those road men (laughs) oh Haji was obviously my husband we just didn't know it but you can see that we would have had a vibe right yeah I loved him I mean (laughs) I I was a big Onyx fan so but the thing is I love Sticky Fingers at the time but mm-hmm. watching it now, I mean, I still sticky things was still my baby, but um, cute uh, Fredro star. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he just the way he's like shorty, and I was like, oh my god. But it's just also just just a matter of how they dated. We I don't think in the UK we did. I mean, you and I grew up in similar with similar ages, and we grew up in the same area. Mm-hmm. But I know as a teenager, dating wasn't a thing. It wasn't like you could date multiple guys and it'd be cool. It was like one boy, you're either going out with him or you're not. Yeah. And then yeah. you wait for the next one to come along. And I think playing the options, I, I think Americans have that down a lot better than we do over here. Yeah. And even their whole dating culture, I, I still yeah. remember it was like, oh, you're going out, but are you actually going anywhere? Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas yeah. they would actually seem to go on actual dates. Yeah. 
um, and stuff. So yeah, it was definitely a different culture, but I think we took a lot from it. I remember I had this wig, like well, so I think it was my mum's wig, it was like a braided bob wig. Okay. So obviously that's where it all started. And I'd put on that wig and I had a, a video, like a Tyco video camera, which was like a toy camera, but I actually recorded. And I would act, I make up, make up my own Marisha, my, my, yeah, my own Marisha shows and things like that, put on my wig, pull in my cousins. They're all on like VCRs, so I'd have to find them. But wow. literally that, yeah, my mum always says that looking back, you can see where all of this started. I used to film shows on a camera, put on a wig and like do like a Marisha-esque type show. But where are they now? Where are they now? What, the shows? No, the I mean, the idea, we didn't, like you said, we didn't have the British Black experience, especially teenagers. Is there anything in your back pocket that you would love to bring to screen? Oh, definitely. I mean, even as you said it, one thing I'd actually like to do is actually ask people, because again, with the sky thing, as I said, I didn't realise, and it might sound naive, but you, you, you know when you just kind of go, 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 and you almost don't realise the, the weight of something or how much of a big deal something is. And when people were responding in the way they were responding and all of this, I thought, I actually want to open up the floor to the people who are kind of looking, um, looking forward to what I do and just say, what kind of show would you like? You know, what kind of stories do you want me to tell? Because you know, obviously the characters are going to be Black, but again, we are such a plethora of character, of, of, of people, of stories, of history, you know, of cultures that within that, there's, it could be anything. It could be anything. So one of the things I wanted to look at was friendship, especially friendship breakups, which I've been discussing with a few people. What's interesting is that for many people, it can be just as traumatic and sometimes more traumatic than actual relationship breakups. When you break up with a friend, you know, who you have, I say intimate, but in a, the most innocent sense, who you have been intimate with for decades and you've been close with, you've shared bare birthdays with, you've shared secrets with, done everything with. And that kind of breakup can actually be genuinely heartbreaking. I have, I, I know someone who she posted a story on her Instagram or post and she just said she'd been crying because she missed her friend. And I thought, wow. So I, I'd wanted to explore that obviously with a black female perspective, just looking at genuine sisterhood and what that has meant and the types of friendship, especially when it comes to a topic which is quite important to me, which is that of vulnerability, you know, and having safe spaces where we can say, I feel like crap today, or I'm having a bad day, or I feel really sad, or I'm really, really struggling, which is something that I'm, I, I want to see more of, you know, and can we have friendships that accommodate vulnerability outside of the strong Black woman archetype? From when you said, obviously they're going to be black so casually. This is like, this is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. obviously, like this is. Like, let's get that out of the way because obviously, well, how does this deal work for the year? Like you're looking for ideas, mm. then you're going to have a look at developing them. I suppose there's no guarantee that they'll be made, but this is about developing ideas, or there's a guarantee that they're going to be made. The agreement is that one will be made, at least one. But obviously it's all flexible. If I came up with three really terrible ideas, I couldn't hold them to it if they didn't. Do you know what I mean? But the ideas are to be developed. And then from there, at least one should be produced. And That's hopefully I want to get all three of them done. I feel like, yeah, like I haven't obviously come this far to develop anything mediocre. So I'm just going to make sure I deliver on my end and make sure that these are concepts, the one that people actually really want to see. And I really, really want to tell, which is why I kind of want to open the floor up and just maybe ask people what kind of stories do you want to hear and there might be things like you said even with that Marisha because you can talk about friendship but then there's, there's different types of friendship as a teenager as a, a young adult even like this year I've made 
so many new friends. It sounds so strange and even a little bit childish, I don't know, but I've just made new friends and I didn't expect to make new friends, like actual friend friends, like who are best friends at this point in my life. But a lot of stuff happened, which allowed for space for new people to enter my life. And I honestly can say I've got about, and my, my friendship group is so small anyway, but I've got about three or four actual new friends who I can't imagine life without. It's just so different because I thought my friends from school would be my friends forever. I say that to say, yeah, I, I'd like to just open the floor and see what kind of things that I might not have even thought of. It's something that I kind of owe to the people that are showing me so much love and support that what do you guys want to see? What do you want me to do with this? Because I feel like everything I'm doing is definitely very much about the people whatever platform I have I need to like make sure that I honor that so who are you excited about it is this moment where there's lots of new talent or not even new talent I should say there's new talent and there's old school talent that's been waiting for their chance who are you excited about I am so excited particularly about all my peers I I feel like we're having some kind of renaissance in terms of the black British film and tv industry and even theater industry even you know a lot of the time asked who inspires me but it is the people that I'm fortunate enough to work with and know. So people like Delia Renee, who mm. just shot Kisses and Bumplicks. I'm so excited about her and what she's doing. You know, she's kind of trailblazing in terms of TV shows. She's just done Waterloo Road. There's, I'm really bad with surnames, but um, there is Jerome Buchanan. He is probably one of the most amazing TV writers I've ever met in my life. He's very humble. He just gets on with it, keeps his head down, but he's just a genius when it comes to storytelling. He's done Bulletproof. He's done Noughts and Crosses, and he's, in my opinion, one of the most, the newest, most kind of prolific TV writers, black TV writers, but just TV writers in general. Percy Ascot, Javan Wade, just incredible entrepreneurs as well, because they obviously used the YouTube platform to build their business and build their brand. So that was a new avenue that they've kind of carved out for themselves. And they're so entrepreneurial and so passionate that they just think out of the box. They just think of what's the next way to make an impact. They're not thinking about the traditional routes. Then you obviously have people like Amel Amin who's shooting his film, Boxing Day. Joy, the most like amazing producer of the moment, who's just doing incredible things. Fiona Lampte, yourself. I am just surrounded by the most talented and passionate storytellers. Kobe, he's got, is it Chanel or Chantel? forgive me he's got a female director he's been working a lot with and I've just gone Charlene Charlene Wango I haven't seen I know she's kind of directing at the moment um, but I'm just seeing these names circling everywhere and it's the most inspiring thing to be amongst these people and be part of this renaissance and this building what I just hope and pray is that we're able to do so together because that's really where we're most strong Mm. when we come together when we have the most impact so I'm hoping that, yeah, together we can do this. Ola Christian at The Real TV. I could go on and on, but my memory and my names are not very good. Leon. <laughs> Leon no, May. Don't mention Leon. He's, he's just going to be a big head. Get out of town. We don't want to mention Leon. But yeah, no, there is. And you have mentioned everybody that I'm also inspired by as well. And yeah. it is that thing, because I was going to say, before we wrap up, it's that collaboration thing and coming together, because I think one thing we're not necessarily good at because we're so, we have been in the past fragmented in the UK as in comparison mm-hmm. to our African-American cousins. I've, I always felt like having that umbrella title, even though they're right now deciding with their Black American, African-American, whatever the case mm-hmm. is, there's a homogenous unity yeah. that their history yeah. unifies them in one go. I think over here, because we do have so many different 
it's great that most black people in the UK can touch our origins in a way that African-Americans can't. The problem is then it's made us very individualistic when it comes to coming together. So you've got Africans, Caribbeans fragmented, then you've got the internal African and Caribbean islands and continent countries and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff that are breaking us up. But mm -hmm. this new mm -hmm. wave of coming together and yeah. especially the merging of the cultures, yeah. I'm yeah. excited for yeah. it. But I'm also a bit like, again, probably being old auntie, skeptical. Let's mm. not forget that once things seem to be, you know, going smoothly, the rug yeah. falls if we're not sorted out behind the scenes. Or do you feel that there is a difference to whatever relationship happened before? I do. I feel there's a difference. I feel similar to what you said. Obviously, African-American, their history is very, very specific in terms yeah. of how many years they have been on that soil and, yeah. and that shared collective experience. But I feel like we're starting to build that, this, this Black British identity. And I think what happened this summer was obviously just looking at the whole world, this diasporan experience, this diasporan shared trauma, like everything was coming out, you know, like this summer when George Floyd was murdered, um, may he rest in peace. You know, we saw images of lynchings, we saw images of slavery, but we also saw images which were very current you know, like we were looking at London as well. We were looking at things that happened on our doorstep. We we're looking at things that happened in our offices, looking at things that happened in our childhood, looking at colorism, looking at texturism, just on a micro and macro level, there was just this collective internal purging that we all experienced. And I really feel like once we realized, oh, that's happened to me, that's happened, we, we had this really important dialogue between us that there now has been some kind of unification because as I said, the conversations that were happening and it was it was bittersweet because it's like we have Zoom after Zoom just thinking, we don't just want to moan and rant and talk about these things. We want to make tangible changes. But in doing so, there was this sharing, as I said, this purging, this collective therapy where we remembered what we've experienced together despite our differences i come from ghana this person comes from nigeria this person comes from jamaica this person's british this person's mixed whatever but there is something that we share and something that we need to work together to build so i really feel that this is a real change so long as we keep ownership and keep purposeful because again money talks and i feel like that is going to be influencing a lot of decision makers. There will be a box ticking process. There will be tokenism, things like that. Which of your projects best captures your vision, message and Sheila? Birdsong, my feature film, no doubt. It's literally just my entire heart. When you project to get this done and dusted and out? That's the big question, but it's the ball is rolling. BFI are officially on board now and speaking to some incredible producers. And I think 2021, this project will really come to light. But it's at the moment, it's my magnum opus. It's the piece I've been waiting my whole life to write and I've written it now. So now it's just a case of getting it made. And I, I don't really have a doubt that, it, that I will get it made. So it's just the timing now. And just to quickly throw in there, you're also producing on Stay Close. With yes, Chris I am. That's big mm -hmm. deals. Like, so you've got okay. Stay Close, A Game of Two Halves, Breathe, DVD and Chill, Sometimes I Feel, and Limbo. Right. All these things are in post-production, completed, and all this type of stuff. So we're all going to get these things. I don't know which, I don't even know what I'm asking. I'm just saying that you're <laughs> doing lots of things, mate. <laughs> doing lots of things. So yeah, Netflix, Stay Close is, is a special one because the script is just so, oh, so beautifully written. You know, it's just your typical 
British thriller. It's kind of like just a real t- page turner. Wait, 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 wait. How do you produce on something that's already got its signature stamp? How do you stand out as a producer on something like this? Because you're not producing all the whole thing. You're producing some of it. So how does someone say, well, you know what? Sheila did that. So that's why she gets the award. Yeah, yeah. Well, what it is, is there's an overall series producer. So she kind of obviously just oversees everything for just the sake of just, I guess, continuity and having one person look over it. Then I'll have my episodes separate to hers. But it is very much collaborative. So even outside of my episodes, obviously, I have to be involved in the casting process. I have to be involved in locations and overseeing things from the get go because everything it's an ongoing series. So the locations that are in episodes one, two and three are also going to feature in four, five and six or the cast or, you know, even small things like regarding hair and makeup and wardrobe. There are things that I really want to make sure I'm over from the beginning. It's important to me. But the team are just wonderful. I'm working very closely with Juliet Charlesworth, who's the series producer, and they're just really, really, really amazing. So yeah, really, really grateful and to be working on such a great project. What wow. has made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Oh my God. All right, what has made me mad is another pending lockdown apparently happening any day next week that's really upsetting because it just makes us feel also unsettled and a bit anxious about what's to come what's made me glad is my son and my daughter both of them just literally it's, it's just such an easy answer but like they just do the cutest things all the time I might be having the worst day and my son will just come and give me a hug or just say something and I'm like oh my god I've got these amazing people with me all the time so that's made me glad what's made me sad Um, I've had a difficult few weeks with some family issues, just to be honest. So that's something that has been quite heavy for me over the past couple of weeks. But all will be well. All will be well. And I I didn't even get to speak about your baby. You're doing all of this amazing superwoman stuff. It's just a given that women, we do it in it. But it is a moment of pause when you're shaping minds. Yeah, definitely. Such a blessing and honestly, like such a motivation, because I think because being a mother is, is just so full on, it can work either way, you know, and you can't judge. Some people might just say, I need to stop and just mother. For me, it's worked in a way where part of my mothering is what I'm building for them and like what they see me doing. Hopefully they will realize that the, the sky is it's just not even a limit. Like they can just do whatever they want. And, you know, it's just a case of building for them. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you so much. Thank you as always. Um, it's all mine. Thank you so much. What's the daylight today? School run shortly. <laughs> I have you coped in lockdown because my daughter's 21, well, 20. I keep adding in a year. So oh. I, I was actually grateful that I didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's been bonkers. But my family are just, without them, I wouldn't be able to do anything I'm doing. It just would be impossible. Sometimes just to take a call, people don't realize to take a call because my daughter's three as well. She's not even like at the age where I can put her somewhere and just say, can you do this so I can she's just all over the place so I to take a call I would probably need to arrange with my mum and I've got like an interview and I've got a phone call and I've got this can you look after and I'll go and drop my daughter to my mum come back so it's quiet these are the kind of things that I have to do it's tricky but like you said somehow we just find a way to make it work and because they're so motivating I just feel like with the Netflix deal that's in Manchester and I'm probably going to have to move my son into a different school but I can't just turn that down because again that's what I'm building for them just even financially as a single mother, every opportunity that comes, you have to give it 100%.
can't let anything stop you, can't let anything break you. You just have to build for them. That's the type of stuff that makes someone say no. Literally, as soon as I found out, I had to call Manchester. And again, as a mum, these are all the extra things you're thinking. The admissions, how long does it take? When I get there, I need to know what hours I'm working. I don't have anyone out to help. I won't have my mum there. I have to think of school run. I have to think of childcare. I have to think of if I'm going to do a recce somewhere. All of this kind of stuff. My daughter's three, my son is five. It would just be the three of us. So trying to build a community. I reached out to a contact I have out there to say, is there like a community in terms of settling in? But yeah, these are the extra things. Your brain's just ticking over. That's a whole other conversation. Maybe next time we speak, we pick up on that and see how it's going. Yeah. Because that is a conversation about relocating and even what you do to relocate. How yeah. I think you thought about, yeah, finding out if there's a community. All right, then, my love. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.